Hello, this is Haley, and you're listening to Straight Talk with the Doc, the podcast that gets real about addiction, mental health, and treatment. I'm here with our content director, Jeff, and our medical director, Dr. Bott. How are you two doing today? I'm doing well, Haley. How are you, Jeff? How are you and Haley doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's a good day today. It is. I'm doing great, too. So today I wanted to bring up a topic that's probably at the forefront of all of our minds, and that is the vaccine that's been released for the coronavirus. Now, this is great news, obviously. Hopefully, lives will be saved, and eventually, you know, we can move towards things being a little bit more normal. But that raises the question of how a return to normal might affect someone with an addiction. If there's nothing holding them back from, say, going to the bars or meeting up with people that they used to use with, how is that temptation going to be handled? So I'd like to get into that. But first, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Bott, as an addiction specialist, how has COVID kind of impacted the rates of substance abuse overall? Yeah, I, I, I think we've seen, at least in the addiction industry and the treatment industry, excuse me, that uh, we've seen uh, a variance in, in numbers. You know, there has been uh, an increase in certain substances alcohol use seems to have gone up. Uh, we have seen people who might have been uh, in recovery at the time uh, dealing with the stress and isolation of the, the pandemic um, relapsing. And we've seen increases in certain areas regarding overdose and on uh, opiates and uh, on meth and, and other substances. So um, depending on where you are and uh, what population we're dealing with, we have seen an increase in, uh, in both alcohol and other illicit substances and overdoses uh, throughout the country. As the vaccine rolls out and more people are more comfortable returning to daily life, how could this um, return to normality impact someone with an addiction? You know, I, I think that's, that's hard to tell because it probably depends on the trajectory these people were going on uh, in the first place. So I would consider someone who was headed to relapse probably being facilitated by it. So if someone who was headed to relapse who um, was maybe unable to get a hold of their drug dealer or access certain things or go certain places that uh, isolation and pandemic stopped them from going, now opening up those doors maybe can fuel that destination, you know, and they will be on a full-blown run. Uh, on the opposite, maybe somebody who was teetering with um, getting help and was trying to seek, you know, um, treatment. Maybe the fact that they've been isolating and they've been afraid to go out or afraid to, um, you know, seek, go to rehab due to some fears or something like that um, of catching the, the, the coronavirus. Now, if there is um, less threat, they may be actively, uh, you know, more, uh, more inclined to go and actually seek out treatment. Yeah, and I wanted to kind of break that into two parts about how a return to normal life could benefit someone with an addiction. You know, maybe they can go and have a better support system in person. Can you kind of talk about the potential benefits? I think you just started that out already. Yeah, you know, one of the things that the pandemic did was take away access to uh, all of us, not those suffering from addiction only, but everybody in, in around the world 
So when you take away access to things that helped you stay away from drugs, such as your meetings, your sponsor, you know, uh, access to treatment centers that are communal environments, um, obviously we, we deprive people of, um, you know, treatment, you know, uh, treatment options. But then the, the, the structure that kept them or maintained someone uh, sober often entails, you know, the socialization. And, and, and that was also taken away for, for all of us. So, um, you know, really depending on um, what, what side, again, we're, we're looking at. But, uh, you know, having the access now to maybe go back to some level of normalcy will probably help those who are heading in that direction who uh, were clinging to when is this going to happen? When can I get back to seeing my sponsor in person? When can I go back to my groups and my meetings that were live? When can I go back to my IOP or treatment center? Um, when can I start hanging out with my family again? When am I going to get to go see my grandmother who I used to visit every weekend? You know, all of these things that keep people preserved and keep people whole, uh, hopefully will, um, be there and available for those people who um, benefit from it. And I also like, I want to look at the flip side of that. You know, I mean, who you surround yourself with really makes a big difference in your life. Of course, if you have a supportive family that you get to be around, you know, that can keep you sober, but you know, on the other side, who you're surrounding yourself with, if it's people that also like abuse drugs or alcohol, you know, that could influence somebody so I want to talk about how the return to normal life could negatively impact someone with an addiction. That's right. The flip side of all this is that, you know, now you can go out and maybe interact with those. You know, when, we, when we're in treatment, we talk about how do we identify um, person, places, things, and situations that lead to certain thoughts that maybe rise certain feelings and that lead to certain behaviors. Um, now maybe those were bottled up during the pandemic and still are, um, is this vaccine, is this opening up of the country or potential opening up of the country right now? We know the numbers are pretty bad and we know that certain areas of, uh, of the United States are really, really bad, but, um, in the upcoming weeks or months, or even in the anticipation of this, people might have this false sense of security that we can go out and interact with those person, places, things, and situations that were negative, that were bad, that led to certain, you know, thoughts and uh, ultimately feelings that led to certain behaviors and that connection can accelerate. So this could really be a, a, a double-edged sword, um, you know, depending on really who we're talking about, where we're talking about and what level of um, recovery they're in or not. And, um, you know, uh, how close they are to accessing those people and how much the pandemic actually stopped them. So for those people who the pandemic stopped them from having access um, to, to drugs and their drug dealers and their bad influences and their bad emotions, yes, this could be a portal to resuming all of this again. Can you also talk about why someone may have the urge to abuse drugs or alcohol during lockdown and like when they're feeling really isolated? Some of the risk factors involved with, with addiction is depression, is anxiety, is being in your mind, is being by yourself, and it's being lonely, boredom. All of that was kind of catalyzed 
you know, with the pandemic, we saw more of this uh, around the world and uh, here in the United States. So, um, you know, that, that right there is a, is a huge risk factor for, 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 for using. And especially when you suffer with addiction, you know, those are like, um, scary times. So, um, you know, based, you know, being that recovery is, is a lot of people are in recovery due to our social supportive mechanisms through, um, you know, AA and NA, which have a, you know, a, a social component to them, um, that being taken away, or at least initially not accessible, um, led to a lot of people, you know, using and even access to maybe your doctor, your antidepressants or other co-occurring things that might've been going on with you. But just the fact that, you know, um, life got turned upside down, the unknown, the fear, the apprehension. Again, I don't want to just call it out for people. Of course, we're talking about subject of addiction, but just not disimpacted people who did not suffer with it, it, it impact everybody. So, um, the bottom line was, you know, we were under and still are under tremendous amount of duress. Most people um, are going to are going to feel it. And if we have bad coping mechanisms, um, unfortunately, um, this was a, an opportunity to act out on it. So I want to talk about kind of like the excuse to use somebody with an addiction who doesn't want to stop. You know, they're probably going to find any excuse that they can. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you know, I, I drink because I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm lonely. But then these people may also drink because they're like, oh, I feel safe, I feel happy, I want to celebrate. Can you kind of talk about, you know, using the same method, like drinking or abusing drugs when you're both grieving and celebrating? Yeah, I think that goes down to, you know, the the construction of the addiction process. I know we've spoken about this maybe on, in other, uh, other episodes. You know, when we have... Uh, a altered motivational hierarchy, right? We have, we've put in order different things that are important to us. And, you know, usually when we're not under the influence or when we're thinking properly, sanely, um, unadulterated, um, we, we can tend to prioritize what's, what's important and what's not. You know, um, similarly with our thoughts of what is important and what's not, but, you know, um, the rationalization of what we should pursue, you know, um, that is, that's distorted, um, oftentimes when we suffer with addiction. So, um, you know, it really depends on how our brain manipulates itself. And, and so when you're, when you're under the, um, I guess the umbrella of suffering from addiction, you know, you're not thinking straight, you're not thinking, um, properly. So, you can use whatever mode, whatever reason as a, as a cause or, or a justification to go out and use. So, um, yeah, this, when the pandemic hit, oh crap, this is bad. I need to go and get high. And now when this perceived, uh, relief has been provided, oh, the vaccine is coming life will be good. Now we need to go celebrate. I need to go get high. So it really depends on how the the person suffering wants to manipulate the information and absorb it and then rationalize um, the need to go and use. And unfortunately, when you have this flipped up cognitive distortions and 
altered motivational systems, um, yeah, they'll they'll use when it's a good day and they'll use because it's a bad day. And I know you mentioned a few minutes ago kind of about potential triggers for somebody. Can you kind of talk about how you handle triggers? You know, how do you like help people in treatment, like approach those triggers when they come up? Because, you know, things happen. You're going to run into people. You're going to go certain places. How do you handle that? There's a lot of uh, behavioral and cognitive restructuring you know, uh, you re re um, conditioning certain things that, you know, obviously we try and do more uh, convenient steps or more tangible steps of like, look, if we know that going to around a certain person um, makes you use drugs together, well, we educate people, we, uh, we talk about how we can avoid these individuals. Uh, similarly, if there's certain situations or certain places that um, somebody's accustomed to using at, well, avoid these places. Um, but then we, we, we talk about a, a, a deeper process, the, the association in our mind, because in between these, these people, there are microseconds, there's micro, there's, 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 there's periods in between these things that actually trigger one. Well, when I see this person, it makes me think a certain way, that makes me feel a certain way, that makes me behave a certain way, which is the behavior that we're talking about is drug use. And so we have to separate these. So this might happen in real life in one second. I hit that gas station, I know I want that six pack because that's that trigger. But then we expand those things in treatment by breaking it down and saying, okay, that gas station, what does this mean to you? How does it make you think? Uh, what's the thoughts that happen? Well, I know that there's beer inside. Okay, what happens next? Well, how does it make you feel? I, well, I feel excited. I feel excited. And I feel, um, you know, the next thing I need to do when I'm excited like that, I have to go and, and, and grab that beer. So when we break down these things, I'm somewhat simplifying these, but ultimately you have people recognize certain thoughts that are maladaptive and certain emotions that are maladaptive or un unhealthy and help, you know, seek alternative outcomes. So if a certain thought led to a certain negative emotion, catch it at that stage and seek alternative ways to deal with that. And then if an emotion leads to a certain thought, we'll see our alternative ways to think about that. And so even though this is bi-directional, and I know I'm getting a little lengthy in this explanation, ultimately we want people to um, see, perceive, and recognize these triggers or these stimuli and have them uh, manipulate them and then hopefully have a, a more positive outcome to this because in the end we can't ultimately avoid everything things mirror things things resemble things and uh things are exist and and so we have to not only change this those more tangible things ultimately change the cognition behind them and the behaviors that are associated with them and that takes time and that exists through treatment through therapies and, and through practice. So you kind of mentioned at the beginning of this episode about how some people have developed an addiction during the pandemic, um, say maybe they'd never had an issue before. And now over this past year, 
you know, they have like a full-fledged addiction that they didn't have before. Um, how do they cope with this now? Well, hopefully if, if the pandemic was the reason that they was the risk factor, was the trigger, let's say, that took someone who was uh, vulnerable and made them act out upon it. Uh, hopefully now that it is um, being uh, per- potentially, um, you know, preventable um, with the vaccine um, and hopefully in the next many months to years, we will see this stuff start to, um, you know, be more in control. Hopefully the same individuals will then also look at this in a more positive way. So if the negative part of the perception of the pandemic led them to use or whatever, um, hopefully the positive perception will lead them to not or lead them to seek treatment or have them have access to this. And so, um, you know, it's going to be, it's hard to tell right now because it's so new. We don't, it's hard to predict what the vaccine is going to ultimately um, translate into for us as a, as humanity. Um, But hopefully if, if there is a light at the end of this tunnel, um, it will uh, resonate into those who suffer with addiction. Um, I also kind of want to look at that on the flip side, say for somebody who, you know, used to have an addiction, but got sober during the pandemic. Um, how, what should they do um, to prepare for the potential return to normal life? Keep doing what they're doing. You know, obviously, if they got sober, um, look at look at what you have right now. You know, look at the, um, you know, system that you've created, your ecosystem, your ecosystem. Um, you know, who are, who is your team? Who who are the people and uh, and the things that are around you that have maintained your sobriety? And hopefully, it's not just because you're locked up in a house and you don't have access. Um, you know, if that is the case, you know, um, now is the time to seek treatment. You know, now is the time to reach out to your loved ones. Um, maybe reach out to um, a treatment center and let them know your fears of you know coming back out into society and having, you know, um, this in front of your face, because there are treatment centers that are prepared to help people who feel that they are, you know, at risk and that they have somehow gained some level of sobriety right now, but that's because they've been put in a certain condition. Once they're not in that condition, their risk is going to be higher. They need to seek help. Um, and, and, and have this assessed for them and, you know, create that uh, opportunity to main that, maintain that sobriety uh, as the world hopefully starts to come back to pre-pandemic, um, you know, situation. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my next question about if somebody relapses, should they just immediately return to treatment? Should they try to handle it on their own? Is there like a right way to handle it? I think that the knee-jerk reaction is seek help, you know, seek help. Don't, you know, go and get uh, professional help. Due to the unfortunate nature of um, addiction for many people, that there is a a cycle of relapse and remission. Um, Often it's because they haven't been able to stay sober on their own. So, you know, looking at that, you know, um, some people do have insight, uh, 
and they're capable of recognizing what it took in the past that helped them achieve, you know, sobriety and, and, and gain some, you know, you know, get into recovery. Um, and some people have it. And, and then for those people who are who hopefully will listen to this that are family members, you know, um, you know, don't be in denial either. Um, they need to uh, ensure that if they see that this person is looking at this and having dialogue and thinking that, hey, you know what, I'm somewhat liberated now that we, again, it, it, it's this it's this weird paradox that we're in, you know, although, yes, this vaccine has come out and these vaccines have come out. Life is still, the, the, you know, is, is still, um, uh, we have to be cautious because, you know, the, the, the coronavirus hasn't gone away. There's uh, so many cases out there. There's so many people getting ill. The bottom line is, is that if the perception is that everything is okay, family members need to recognize it too and look back at the habits of these individuals. And if they have tended have a tendency to use when they look at things in a, um, you know, positive way, they get at level of certain level of confidence, then they may be willing to take more risks. So ultimately, it's looking at these patterns, if they're able to, you know, tap back into their resources, look at what's worked for them in the past, but not just for the person suffering, but for those supporting members around them, um, just so they can anticipate, hopefully, the outcomes and put in place what's needed that has been successful in the past. What kind of advice would you give to those supportive family members if they know that, you know, their loved one is relapsing or is going too soon? You know, what can they do? They need to um, seek help, seek professional help, you know, get guidance. Um, you know, again, I spoke about this in the in the previous question that if, if some if a family member knows that this is what has worked, and um and and they have helped their loved ones um, achieve sobriety in the past well do that again if it means helping making them giving them that ride to the aa meetings if transportation is a, is an issue um making that call to their therapist if they have a release and they've been involved in in their treatment in the past you know um calling um an, an interventionalist or that's associated maybe with a, with a treatment center um, to help them get um, somebody professionally trained to to speak with somebody who's in the thralls of addiction and um, you know or calling a, a treatment program directly um, to to get guidance. But these are steps that they can take proactively to to again and and, and in the worst case scenarios, there are legal means that if they if if a loved one is using to the point that there is an imminent danger um, and the consequences of that dire. Um, you know, many states have uh, the ability to have involuntary commitments um, put in place so um, someone can legally be pushed into, into treatment. Is there anything else on this topic that I didn't ask you that you want to talk about or you think people should know? Uh, as a society, as a world, we've gone through tough times and um we're you know we see this light the vaccine is obviously something that you said at the beginning that we hope the world is going to benefit from and uh, it's hard for us to determine but the best thing we can do is um 
you know, continue to take safety precautions and safety mechanisms um, for those who are suffering with addiction and those family members. You know, um, there are resources available out there, uh, available through uh, addictioncenter.com. There's uh, multiple educational and treatment resources available that they can look up. And, um, you know, it's in the end, we're going to have to look and see, hopefully in the next many uh, months coming up um, as society, hopefully we'll have some semblance of normalcy. Um, the resources that are available um, will become more um, solidified to individuals that need help. Well, thank you for breaking this down with me today, and thank you to anyone listening. We have more episodes on addictioncenter.com, and like you mentioned, Dr. Bot, we have resources on Addiction Center as well for individuals and family members. There's also a place where you can write in if you have any questions for Dr. Bot. We hope to have you next time for another episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.